One of my favorite quotes in sports history is by the prized heavyweight fighter, Mike Tyson. Remember this one? Mike Tyson used to say, probably still says, by the way, he just had a fight. I watched it. Snoop Dogg was doing commentary. It was great. But Mike Tyson said back in the 90s for the very first time, he said, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And it's true, right? You make your plan, you get all excited, and then all of a sudden, here comes life. Here comes 2020. Here comes trauma. I'll say it this way. Everybody has a plan until you're traumatized. Everybody has a plan until the drama happens. Everybody has a plan until the trauma unfolds, right? You're like, and then we'll go here, and then we'll do this. Think about all the plans we had for 2020. Think about, I, I mean, I have lost count. To be honest, I have forgotten because it's so many people told me of the vacation they had planned, the business they had planned, the different ventures they had planned, the dreams they had planned, and then 2020 happened. Trauma has uh, adverse effect, to say the very least, to our plans. We get all caught up in the plan. We are a planning culture, right? Uh, we are known for our plans. Chelsea is a planner and a plotter. I'm a little spontaneous, but I must admit at 42 years old, 21 years in a marriage, she won, right? I like a plan. Plans are nice. We actually have family team night in the Smith family. Every Sunday night, we go through the schedule for the next week. Here is the plan. They say by making a schedule, making a plan, it adds predictability, which adds a sense of security for your kids. Like there's all of the science and even the overall well-being and health of your mental state and emotional state if you make a plan. And then 2020 came. I, I can't really remember anything about 2020 that went according to plan. Is your plan been absolutely decimated by the year that was? Are you in a 2021 thinking to yourself, I don't even know if I want to make a plan. Is it pointless to even plan? I got a text message today from a friend who just canceled their plan. They had plans to get away with their children for spring break and now predicting the school schedule and everything that's going to go on and pandemic. And you know what? We're canceling, <coughs> excuse me, our plan. It canceled their plan. I mean, as a pastor here at Church Home, again, it's impossible for me to actually even count up how many people have expressed to me, even recently, how their plan has changed. Nothing is according to plan. What happens when trauma takes over your plan? What happens when deeply distressing, difficult, disturbing experiences halt your plan, remove your plan, devastate your plan, eliminate the plan, and suddenly you have to improvise. Now, if you're like me, which I'm sure many of you aren't, you kind of complain to God. Like, God, what about the plan? God, why did this happen? You ever ask God that question, why? Why did this happen? Why do I feel like I got hit in the mouth? Why do I feel like I made my plan and then Mike Tyson was right? I got hit in the mouth and then instead of like, you know, bobbing, weaving, jabbing and doing your plan, now you're just doing one of these and I look like I used to fight when I was a kid in my local neighborhood in Portland, Oregon. We'd have boxing matches with our boxing gloves and you can imagine there wasn't any planning. It was just put the gloves on and swing at your friends. 
you're like me, 2020 has kind of left the word plan like a curse word. You know, someone's like, well, I'm going to make a plan. Everyone kind of scoffs nowadays. Like, <laughs> yeah, good luck planning on a job. Good luck planning on a getaway. Good luck planning on a meeting. Good luck planning on an appointment. Good luck planning on your schedule. Uh, we just, uh, a, a dentist recently canceled on a friend of mine. I had a whole dentist appointment and they had a problem with their teeth. And the dentist said, I'm sorry, we, we're closing down the dentist. You can't get your cavity filled. What do you do? when trauma takes over your plan. God, what about the plan? Think about it. God's a planner. God's a designer. God made us planners. God made us to put schedules together and design and predict and prepare. And again, like I said, Chelsea and I are raising teenagers right now. They tell us, especially for the teenage brain and teenage development, you need to have a plan. Well, Mary and Martha had a plan. Well, who's Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha, they have a little brother named Lazarus. They are a family of three, best we can tell, and they are some of the closest friends of Jesus in his three-and-a-half-year public ministry. In fact, they probably knew Jesus longer than that. Other than his own family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are the closest to Jesus. Now, something very difficult happens. Lazarus, not according to plan, he, he gets sick. In fact, he gets so sick, we're not sure with what he is sick with, probably some sort of contracted flu or something like that, but it was fatal. And a note is sent, sent to Jesus, according to John chapter 11 and verse 3. So his sisters, Mary and Martha, and Martha, and Martha sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. The one you love is very, please, please come. They made a plan. The plan is Lazarus is sick and Jesus can heal. We know that. We believe in him. We love him. And so, Jesus, if you could come soon and heal the one you love, their language there, it's like writing a note to Jesus saying, hey, one of your best friends, your buddy, you know, Lazarus, he's, he's going to die if you don't get here soon. And the story takes an unprecedented turn. Jesus doesn't immediately take the two-mile journey from where he was to where Lazarus was to heal Lazarus. In fact, the story records in John chapter 11, four days go by, and or many days go by, and Lazarus has been dead. It's probably more than four days because it isn't until Jesus finally arrives two miles down the road, if you will, that Lazarus has already been dead for four days. It's actually more than four days. It was several days where Jesus was delayed. Wait, what? Wait, what? Why? You ever felt like Jesus is delayed? You ever felt like Jesus... What was the plan with 2020 again? What, what about the plan we made as a church? What about the plan we made as a family? What about the plan I made as a business person? What about a plan I made for my marriage? What about a plan I made for my kids? What about a plan I made for, think of all the plans we made just within this community of faith and how many of those plans have not come to pass haven't been able to fulfill, follow through, and actually do them or accomplish them because 
of the trauma, the deeply disturbing, distressing experiences we all shared. Listen to the words of Mary and Martha in John chapter 11. Both Mary and Martha take turns saying to Jesus, when he finally arrives, obviously too late, Lazarus is now dead. He's died of this disease. He's died of this sickness. And Mary and Martha expressed to Jesus, if only you had been here. If only. How much of our life have we had those emotionally distraught moments where we got that if only on our mind? We got that if only in our heart. If only this would have happened. If only I wouldn't have lost my job. If only that would have worked out. If only I could have worked out. If only I could have done this. If only she would have. If only he would have. If only they would have. If only that. If only God, if you only just would have been there, it would have worked out. Now, I want to stop right here and say something very honestly. We are about to, for the next few minutes, to wade into waters that are far too deep for me. I'll say that. Because the moment you put why on the table, why did 2020 happen? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why, why, why? Hey, preacher, tell us why the trauma. Tell us why the bigotry. Tell us why the racism. Tell us why the disease. Tell us why the pandemic. Tell us why the injustice. Tell us why the hate. Tell us why the division. Tell us why the opinions. Tell us why the manipulation. Tell us why the abuse of power. Tell us why, why, why are all these things happening not according to plan. Well, that's just too much for me to answer, frankly. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you, church home, that I know the full why, that I understand the depth, the length, the breadth, the width of the why all of these things happen. But what I can do is I can express to you from this divine and ancient story where we see the designer and creator of heaven and earth in physical form, we can bank on the Jesus in John 11 is the Jesus in 2021. Questions begging to be asked. Why? What happened to the plan? Why the trauma? Why the pain? Why the loss? I want to underscore again, I don't have the full answer. I have some responses. I have some observations. And I'm going to muster up my courage as a local church pastor and preacher to tell you what I see in John chapter 11. And what I want to draw your attention to, to try to make sense of what we are enduring right now around the world, is I want to draw your attention to the emotions of Jesus. It is not often we see in Scripture, specifically the New Testament, the emotions of Jesus, the emotions of God on such significant display. I want to draw your attention all the way to verse 33 of John chapter 11. It says, when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were there grieving Lazarus, it says, the Passion Translation, Jesus shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And he said, where did you bury 
Lazarus. They said, Lord, come, we'll, we'll show you his tomb. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. That's the shortest verse. Other trans, in all the Bible, other translations say Jesus wept. But I love the imagery. I love the description because this is more accurate. Jesus, his, his tears stream down his face. We, we see some scholars and writers and thinkers say this might be um, the most descriptive and overt moment where we get to witness the deep emotions of God. Now, if you look at the Hebrew and the Aramaic, the original language tell us two things about these emotions that Jesus is simultaneously experiencing and expressing two different emotions. And by the way, those two different emotions are the two different emotions that Jesus, God, right now in 2021 is experiencing, is expressing, and absolutely wants us to see. Two emotions. Two emotions. Number one, he shudders with emotion and was deeply moved with compassion. Now, the shuddered with emotion speaks of anger. And obviously, the deeply moved with tenderness and compassion speaks of empathy. So Jesus is, supposed, is both experiencing anger and empathy. I would like to suggest for your consideration that in 2020, the God, creator of heaven and earth, he has a name. His name is Jesus. He is experiencing still these two emotions towards humanity. He is angry and he has empathy. Now, what is he angry at? Is he angry at Mary? Is he angry at their unbelief? Is he angry at her friends? Is he angry at Martha? Is he mad at Lazarus for dying? No, 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 no. Who is he angry with? Now, I don't mean this to sound spooky or super spiritual, but let me be clear. The Bible declares there is an adversary. He is a fallen angel. He is a self-serving, selfish entity. He has a name, Satan, the devil, Lucifer. And he is real. And he is a dog on a leash, but that leash has temporary slack until Jesus finally disposes of him at the end of the age, the Bible declares. But in the meantime, our God is angry with the destruction that the devil still causes in people's lives. Now, I understand that our culture has made fun of these statements and concepts. Well, the devil made me do it. The devil, how many know the devil doesn't always make you do it? I have a problem eating gummy bears, and the devil does not always make me eat gummy bears. Sometimes I just eat gummy bears because I like gummy bears. So it's silly and, of course, unrealistic and, quite frankly, ridiculous to think that the devil makes us do all the things that we don't want to do. And yet, some of the most deep emotion we ever witness is the indignation and anger of Jesus towards your adversary, the one who hates you, the one who wants to destroy you, dispose of you. He hates who you are. He hates the image you were made in. He hates the plan for your life. And he's a destroyer. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is angry. He's indignant. He didn't design mankind to 
be riddled by an adversary? I don't understand. I'm not gonna stand here and tell you why it seems like sometimes that dog on a leash is given permission to do some of the things he does and then other times not. It's too wonderful for me. I, I, I can't even comprehend it. But here's what I know, church. God is angry at your adversary for the havoc he has wreaked. He has, he has wrecked this planet with. He's angry. But isn't he extraordinary? Not only is Jesus angry at the devil, but his heart melts with love and compassion for you and for me. What a wonderful God who at the same time, he hates the one who hates you and he loves you even in your pain. Isn't that incredible? What a wonderful God. But of course, the Bible says the stream, the tears stream down Jesus' face. And it, it, it says, I mean, you, you can see it, verse 36, seeing Jesus weep because caused many of the mourners to say, look how he loved Lazarus. Wait, isn't this the one who opened blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Why? And then, verse 38, Jesus with intense emotion. Again, three different times. With intense emotion, he came to the tomb and he said, roll away the stone. Martha says, Lord, it's, it's been four days. The body is going to be decomposing. It's going to smell. It's not. And, and, and Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? Didn't I tell you? I find it interesting because John's gospel says everybody kind of looking around was like, why is he crying? Doesn't he have the power to fix it? And it's kind of like a suspended music note that has no resolve. It's like dun, 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 dun. And you're ready for dun, 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 dun. And there's no resolve. It's like. So what? So I will not resolve what the scripture leaves mysterious. But I want to draw your attention after the crowd says, why? If he's mad at the devil, if he's broken for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, why, why doesn't he change it? Why doesn't he change it? And that's something that's gonna be hard for us to understand down here, church. I'm gonna be honest with you. Cause you're like, God, if you're broken over the hatred and how we are dehumanizing and devaluing one another down here on earth, how we are drawing lines and divisions and, fa and, and, and factions and tribes and people, and we're doing it by ethnicity or we're doing it by worldview or we're doing it by political persuasion or your opinion on how societies and countries should be run. If that breaks your heart, why don't you come down and fix our heart? And we don't get a clear answer about that. I wonder sometimes, and this is just the, 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 the wonderings of a local church pastor, I, 
I wonder if God is so integrous, his character and integrity requires that he allows the earth as he has designed it to be set in motion and he's careful to protect that free will. The leash that he has granted our adversary and the devil, and I don't understand these complex concepts, but God doesn't resolve this one. Well, why, why the people say, why the gallery says, why the crowd says, why, why would he, why would he not? I don't know why, if he's crying, I saw him open blind eyes. I saw him open deaf ears. Why would he be crying? Why would he be crying? And furthermore, he, I would like to double down on that and say, why would he cry if he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead? So, so the empathy of God is not determined by the outcome of the events that hurt us. See, the empathy of God is present. I know he's eternal, but his compassion is now. I, I know, I know, I know, it's wild, it's wild. Because see, God knows that things are gonna change in 2027, or he knows what's gonna happen in 2025, but his integrity, the essence and content of his character allows him to grieve with you in 2021 even though he knows he's already given you the answer in 2023. How wonderful and vast and magnificent and extraordinary God is. But I don't have all the answers, but I have this verse. Jesus says, didn't I tell you, you will see God unveil his power didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? See, if I could, I'd, I'd tell you today that God's going to fix all your problems. See, if I could, I, I, I'd tell you that Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, I will, I will reinstate your plan? Didn't I tell you that if you believe that I will fix all of your political problems? Didn't I tell you that if you believe I will change all the hatred and the bigotry and the snap of my finger, all will be gone and everyone will be treated with dignity and respect and honor? That's not what he said. Didn't I tell you that my that my power will be unveiled, didn't I tell you? And if you're like me, I, I sometimes want God to tell me other things. Can you tell me about my plan? Can you tell me about my pain? Can you tell me about my path? Can you tell me about my purpose? Can you tell me about my future? Can you tell me about my bank account? Can you tell me about my physical body? Can you tell me about the here and the now? Can you tell me about my checkings and savings account? Can you tell me about my retirement? Can you tell me about my dreams? Can you tell me about what you, didn't I tell you that you would see me, that 
you would see me. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I think you're Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I'm Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We are. We are them. They are us. Stuff happens. Let me tell you why calamity happens in the earth. Two, two, two primary reasons. Satan and sin. Satan and sin. Satan and sin has this world spinning. Our selfishness, our self-serving nature, we're broken. We think about ourselves. When a baby learns their first words, it's never yours, it's always mine. It's in our nature, isn't it? And then there is a Satan and he hates us. And those two components of life, it's not always just Satan, it's not always just sin, it's both and it's in play. And God has allowed a free will to have a short course and a short stay and to be played out on the earth. And as a result, we look at years like 2020 and we go, hey, why? What is going on? And I want to say this very carefully, and I'm coming to a close. The subject of trauma is not a light one. It's not a little one. And we have but scratched the surface on the subject and topic. This is part four, and I'm sure in the future we'll talk more about what do you do and what does Jesus say to deeply disturbing and distressing experiences. Mary and Martha have been traumatized. Their brother is dead. What will they do? I'm going to be really careful here and I'm going to say this with as much empathy and compassion I possibly can. And I'm not saying that I particularly am thrilled all the time about what I'm about to say, but I believe it to be true. This life, as much as we want it to be, about us. This life, as much as we want it to be about our schedules, our timetables, our jobs, our retirement, our checkings, our savings, our real estate, our losses, our loneliness. Oh, God cares. Have we not seen his compassion and emotion? towards you. But I can only come to one conclusion about this story. That if it was about Lazarus, it would have been on Lazarus' timetable. If this story was about Mary and Martha, it would have been on Mary and Martha's timetable. But do you know who this story is about? Do you know who this story is about? It's about Jesus. It's a very interesting word seems to appear repeatedly in John chapter 11, and it's this word. It's called glory. Glory. What is glory? Glory is a very significant word in the whole of ancient scripture. Glory carries with it the idea the essence of someone. That is your glory. 
the glory of God. So much has been made of that over the years for preachers and teachers just like me. We're going to see the glory of God. And we think it's gold and bright lights and, 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 and things like diamonds shining and brightness. But, 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 but glory is the essence of God's character. And you know what the world needs more than God on our timetable? and God according to our plan and our making and our continents and our countries and our needs and our retirement and our job and our children and our food and our stuff and our concerns. Do you know what we're in need of more than all of that? Is to see God for who he really is. That's what changes people. That's what changes people. I think legislation has its place in countries and continents all over the world. But legislation is not ultimately what we need. People are dying, church. This is life and death. This is bigger than the here and the now. Did I not tell you, you would see God unveil his power? Why? Why are we here? Sin, Satan, stuff, time, chance. What's gonna come of this? That's what only he can do. I got a sense that the world is going to see God like they have never seen him before. See, I, 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 I think way more is happening than, 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 than we realize. Way more is happening. The world as we know it has changed. 2020 will forever change the human experience on this planet. We must know that. It will change the feelings and perspectives that we will have towards one another and even some of the activities that we participate in. We, 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 we will go back. We will get better. We will. Things will be wonderful. I, I have expectation for good and hope and faith and all of these things. But, oh, how I hope that 2020 leads us into a place of seeing Jesus like we've never seen him before. Have you ever, have you ever been on a long trip and I'm done? And when you get there and during that long trip, I remember long car rides we used to take from Portland, Oregon to Boise, Idaho. So two cities in the United States of America, and they're approximately eight hours apart driving in a car according to the speed limit. And we would take that old Ford Aerostar and my dad would be driving. And eight hours when you're eight years old is eternity. And all I wanted was to get to Boise, to see my cousins, to see my best friends. I couldn't wait to arrive. I love Boise, Idaho. It's going to be sunny, unlike Portland, Oregon. I can't wait to get there. It's going to be amazing. And then you would arrive, and it was always great to arrive 
but you'd arrive and go, it's great to be here, but I had eight hours that I wished away. Try to just endure and get through. Come on, somebody like Judy, you sound like you're getting older. I know, I know, I know. We keep thinking to ourselves, I just want to get to where I plan to go. I don't think so. I think if you're really honest with yourself, so you get to go where you plan to go. And you know what? You may very well get there and go, all right, what now? What now? I got the dream. What do I do now? I'll tell you what this life is about. It's not about the plan. It's about the man. It's about the person. It's about Jesus. Have we met enough people who live their plan? Haven't we met enough people who life went according to their plan? And they still had a sense of leanness in their soul? I got my career. I got my retirement. I got the respect of my friends and loved ones. What now? Do you know God? Do you know his love? Do you know his friendship? Do you know his comfort? Do you know his nearness? Do you know what it's like to feel his presence? When you're in the darkest place of your human existence, do you know what it's like to face things that seem to have no real answer? You ever faced a mystery that David says, these things are too wonderful for me, beyond my comprehension, but there's a presence. You're alone in a room, but you're not alone. You're alone in that jail cell, but you're not alone. You're alone because your spouse left you and there's been a divorce and there's been a breakdown in your family, but you're not alone. For he will never leave you nor forsake you. People think life is just about doing the plan, fulfilling the dream, getting the house, having the kids. Oh, those are wonderful, but I'm telling you, it's not about the plan. It's about the man. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world through your planning and plotting, but in the process, lose your soul? Only God can make your soul alive. Only Jesus can make you feel actually alive when you're surrounded by death and dying. Oh, I, I just want to say, church, this will not be the last time we will endure trauma. This isn't the last time our plan will be thwarted and God will seemingly feel as if he has delayed. God, where are you and what are you doing? I will never leave you nor forsake you. The psalmist called him the desire of all nations. so busy down here on earth what we think is we want power and we want money and we want prominence 
because that's our plan. We have a God who lives in this place called forever. And he has compassion on our finite realm. And we shake our fist at him and we say, where are you? In the afternoon of my ordinary Friday, where are you? And God's saying, oh, son, I love you, but this is not about your 6 p.m. Friday evening pain. I come from a realm called forever. And there I will take you. And that realm will be defined by one thing. This we know, it won't be defined by money because the streets are paved with gold. Gold is as common as asphalt in eternity because the true treasure is not the plan of man or our unyielding desire for things and stuff and prominence. Forever is defined by one person and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says there will be no need for sun or moon. For from his glory will pour forth light. And there will be no night. For from his being will flow light that will make forever brilliant as the noonday sun. I know, I know. I got friends who can't have babies, they keep trying. A friend called me today, they had a miscarriage. I know, I, I... And for that, I can promise you, Jesus is angry at the devil and his heart melts with compassion for you. But I'm gonna be the preacher in your life telling you, You want children, you want a job, you need some courage, you need some strength, you need a friend. God wants that for you. But didn't I tell you, you would see me like you've never seen me before. So here's what I would like to say. And I'm done talking about the trauma of 2020. This is the culmination. This is, we're wrapping up this series. But I wanna make a promise as we conclude. Here's my promise. My promise, church, world, and anyone willing to watch to this point of the sermon, thank you. Here's my promise. We will see God like we have never seen him before. Watch and see. You'll see. Something's about to happen in the earth. I know it. We're gonna see God like we've never seen him. The church will never be the same. Jesus followers will never be the same. 
Worshippers are going to see the essence and glory of Jesus like we have never seen it before. The world is going to see that he is the antidote and he is the answer. Something is happening. Something is developing. Something is brewing. And it is not my plan. It is not your plan. For his plans are higher than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He, 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 he's, he's working together all of this for his good. And though we may not get all the answers we want, and it may not be according to our timetable, and it may not be everything we're praying for. If I could, I would promise you, you're going to get everything you're asking God for. But here's what I can promise you, your family, your brain, your body, your soul, you are going to see Jesus like you've never seen him before. In fact, I would venture to say there are people watching right now saying, so that what that's what happened to been telling people that it's been simultaneously the worst year and the best year, that that's the language of someone who understands the pain, but has encountered a person in the process. Happy and sad all at the same time. But the Bible says, as the waters cover the sea, so his glory cover the earth, his glory. May all nations and continents and countries see that there is a God on earth and he is wonderful and he is present and he is available. Can I pray for you, Jesus? I thank you so much for what you're doing. I admit, God, this is one of those moments where I am way out of my depth, trying to put verbiage in vernacular to something that is beyond us. You are exceeding abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. So we say, oh God, show us more of you. Show us who you are. We love you. We need you. you're watching anywhere in the world, then you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus freely offers. For he became sin on the cross so that you and I might become righteous. That's right. Forgiven forever before a perfect and holy God. Only Jesus can do that. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You just receive it you'd like to receive that free gift of forgiveness, just raise your hand right now. Literally, while I'm raising my hand, you raise your hand. You say, well, Judah, this is kind of silly. It's not silly because I believe when you respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, it becomes all the more real to you. I love you and congratulations. Your life will never be the same.